You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yes, it has been a while since we heard this particular theme song on our airwaves or pod waves or whatever we're calling it. It's the midweek show. We are back. It is the APC podcast from Acme Packing Company and SB Nation talking about your first round by number one C division champ Green Bay Packers wild card bye week edition. Baby, it feels nice. We get to uh, sit back kick our feet up, nurse a beverage of choice, and watch other teams knock each other around to decide who gets to trudge up to snowy Lambeau Field next week. It's uh, it's pretty pretty special, and I think that's going to be a word we're going to say a lot on this episode, special. I am uh, Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod, and I am joined for the first time in a while. Feels like a special occasion. In fact, you are drinking some white wine, which is special. By Alex Patakis. How are you, man? <laughs> Doing well. Good to see you again. Uh, it's been uh, it's been far too long, but um, the show is hard to pull off uh, on the road. And I was out of New York for a long time, uh, getting a winter's worth of vitamin D in Florida. And now I'm back sipping some wine, talking about <laughs> the best team in the NFC and one of the best teams in football. And it feels good. Feels good, man. I noticed uh, earlier you you hold the glass appropriately at the bottom of the stem with the with the chilled white wine so that your body temperature doesn't uh, doesn't <laughs> touch. The, it's very sophisticated. You're you're a man of class. I don't know that that's like an every sip thing. It might have just been that sip. Although I do say I used to be a stemless wine glass only guy. Ah. And then we, we, somebody got us nice wine glasses, I think, for our wedding. And then I, it it's very enticing to use the stem. When it's like a nice glass. I don't know. I'm a big glassware guy. Uh, we just actually rearranged all of our cabinets so that our largest cabinet can be used for glassware because uh, we're, we've got quite a collection now for any, whatever your drink is, we've got a glass for it. That's for sure. <laughs> As I sip my wine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gulp. Um, oh. Yeah, man. First place. The first year of one team having a bye, and it's us. Yeah, man, feels great, feels uh, special. And but f- before we get into it, I, I, there was a few things that I wanted to uh, mention right off the top because we haven't uh, we haven't recorded you and I in a while. First of all, we have to announce the uh, the Pick'em winner, the ABC Podcast listener Pick'em winner. This year's winner is Christian Schmidt. Shout out to uh, Christian. Nice work. Also, shout outs to uh, Chris, Simon, and Victor for their valiant efforts this year coming in second, third, and fourth, I believe, uh, respectively. So, Christian, let's connect on Twitter at the APC pod or um, 
or email us if you need to, theabcpodcast at gmail.com, and we will figure out getting you your stupid little trophy. Congrats. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to plug really quickly, Alex, before we uh, before we get into stuff is um, it is that time of year again. Cycle for Survival is back. And I uh, wondered if you wanted to have the floor for a second to pump that. Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned uh, last year, um, we we kind of, uh, uh, it was the first year that I ever participated in, in, in this event. And I was uh, really, um, I don't know. I, I, it was, it, I was kind of just like shocked at, at the response, I think from podcast listeners, from friends, family and everything for fundraising. Um, and, uh, I think that Tex and the APC crew is a big part of that, um, as well, like allowing us to use this platform to promote it for something, um, really good, but basically, yeah, I mean, cancer has touched a lot of people's lives. It touched mine as close as it possibly could last year. Um, and, you know, I, I think that when that happens to you, you kind of think like, I got to do something about it, you know, like let's, you know, your reaction is to, um, make that experience, you know, worth something. And, um, one of the ways that I feel like I've tried to do that is, is just by partaking in this incredible event with Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which is where I ended up receiving treatment last year. And, uh, I'm now a year cancer free, um, which Ew. is no big feat um, because it's, you know, um, I technically qualified for rare cancers, but uh, it's certainly a beatable one. However, not everyone else is as fortunate. So what Cycle for Survival is, it's a massive fundraising event um, where all of the money is given to rare cancer research. Um, and I think last year was a record setting year for them. We didn't end up getting to do the ride, uh, because of COVID. It was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but the little team that we had actually, uh, did a, a really great job. And I think we raised something like $26,000, um, which for a first year team is huge and passing the $25,000 tier actually is a huge deal where the hospital then recognizes you. Um, so we're doing that again this year because I want to do that every year and it's an awesome event and it literally helps save lives because clinical trials are funded by this. And sometimes when all, all other treatments fail, um, one of the leading cancer centers in the world uses this money to come up with new shit to cure people, which is incredible. So uh, you can go to my Twitter. I have that fundraising page pinned now at the top of uh, my Twitter page. It's like one of my only tweets, I think, in this like <laughs> past couple of months. Um, <laughs> but you can click on that link. Uh, nothing is too small. I hate asking for money, especially after the holidays. But if you feel inclined um, to donate to that cause, please do. Because uh, like I said... Cancer touches everybody's lives at one point or another. And uh, it's all about just trying to, um, you know, help give hope to people who, who may not have it, um, who don't have something as, as common or as beatable as, as, as others. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you are on Twitter at Alex Patakis. You can also uh, follow us at the APC pod. And in our profile on Twitter, I made a, a link tree account. So you click on our, our link tree link and we've got our subscribe button there. We've got our Patreon there. And we also have a link to the cycle for survival page where you can donate. And again, a hundred percent, I believe of the donations do go to uh, funding rare cancer research for Memorial Sloan Kettering. So um, yeah, a, a worthy cause. Thank you for sharing. And um, with that, let's, no, uh, 
no smooth way to, to pivot into talking about a children's ball game from there, but uh, let's try to do that um, and talk about the Packers. And I think that there is, there's going to be plenty of time now that we are sort of in the bye week. There's going to be a plenty of time to, to wring our hands about how the Packers next opponent matches up against green Bay's, you know, uh, potential weaknesses. And they do have some weaknesses, but the word of today, as we already hit on is special because guys, the regular season is over. The Packers are 13 and three again, a year after they were accused of being fraudulently 13 and three. This team is special. Aaron Rodgers had a special year. Devonte Adams is a special player. And I just want uh, everyone to make sure that they take some time to reflect on what an absolute treat this season was uh, just a, a privilege to watch. And so with that, we will get into our note nugs, notable nuggets, hashtag note nugs on Twitter, tweet at us after every game with your bite size nuggets following the game and keeping with that, uh, with that uh, special, with the, the, the word of the day special, my note nug is going to be, and I'm not even going to do the drop. I'm, I'm just going to you know, cover your ears, kids. Big fucking Bob. <laughs> After letting Jimmy Graham go, one of the most frustratingly disappointing free agent pickups in the last however many years, Robert Tunyon Jr., Esquire the third, <laughs> led all tight ends in the NFL with nearly a 52% DVOA. Nobody else even came close to that. 11 touchdowns. That's more touchdowns this year than he had catches last year. And I know that he benefited from a lot of uh, red zone opportunities. But when you have a guy, when you have your guy and you pull for them multiple seasons to see that kind of production and, and name recognition, it's it's just special, man. The word of the day. Special. Big fucking Bob. Yeah. Man, all he needed was a chance. Just get him on the field, and you knew he was going to perform. By the way, on the Jimmy Graham thing, how happy were you that he did not score that garbage time touchdown at the end? Oh, Jair. Because he Thank was, what, you. a yard or two away? And I was like, please. I know this is essentially a meaningless tackle, um, but make the fucking tackle. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I did not want him to come away from this game with anything. Uh, even a bullshit garbage uh, garbage time touchdown. Not that I don't like him as a guy, but man, it's so nice to just watch him play for someone else. <laughs> I think that that says that play says everything about the kind of player that Jair Alexander is. Because you're right, at that point, it's just a meaningless play. You could not take the contact. You could just say, whatever, season's over, let's pack it up and enjoy the bye. But he said no. One on one, you were not scoring on me. You were staying out of the end zone. It was just awesome. Yeah, completely. Yes, you're right. A hundred percent in line with the the type of attitude that uh, Jair Alexander brings to the game, which uh, which we love. Um, my notable nugget is uh, just the simple fact that I I think um, I can't really remember noticing David Bakhtiari's absence uh, during the course of the game, which against the Bears defensive front that I believe got healthier and got Hicks back coming into the game is pretty good. Um, I don't remember how much the line swung. I do know at one point, I think the Packers are like five and a half point favorites or something, but like, you know, after the Bakhtiari news, it might've moved by like a point less than a touchdown favorites against a team that yes, while still in playoff contention and now playoff bound um, is far inferior. And I feel like a big part of that was maybe, um, a little bit of a lack of trust in the Packers giving Aaron Rodgers the time to, to shred the Bears secondary apart. But um, 
you know, I think both in that game with Bakhtiari missing, while it sucks and it sucks for the playoffs and it sucks for next year, uh, but even in other times this season, you know, they have sustained some pretty legitimate injuries on the offensive line um, and never missed a beat and put together one of the better offensive seasons we've seen um, led by their quarterback who is should win and probably will win MVP. And that, um, you know, just deserves a little bit of recognition, deserves a nug. So um, yeah. shouts to the offensive line. And I hope they can continue to, to, to thrive in, in the absence of, one of the best tackles in football. Yeah. And just to back that up, I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, people bear with me. I'm going to read a little bit off the blog at acmepackingcompany.com. Our buddy Archon uh, did his uh, position group grades. I encourage you to go check those out. It's just a little paragraph on every position group, but he gave the offensive line uh, an A plus and uh, bear with me. I'm just going to read the paragraph here. He says, pour one out for David Bakhtiari. The All-Pro put together one of his best seasons before going down with an ACL injury. Meanwhile, the impact, the entire Packers line ha- has reasonable arguments to make the All-Pro teams. Every one of the Packers starting five offensive linemen ranked in the top 10 of their positions in pass block win rate, including two number one rankings in Billy Turner and Corey Lindsley. Um, they also were the best run blocking unit in the NFL by run block win rate. It's pretty hard to imagine a better season for a group than the one that they had. Even without their star left tackle, the unit managed to keep Rodgers fairly clean uh, in those four games, relying on the depth provided by Rick Wagner and John Runyon. Oh, and Lane Taylor, who began the season as the Packers starter at right guard, was lost for the season in the opener. Just huge props for a tremendous special year, if I may say so, from the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, that was extremely well put. That it summarizes all of it. And I think I said this a while ago and we talked about it, but, um, you know, also just shout out to like a seamless transition from the TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, Brian Bulaga era of the offensive line to where they are now. Like that doesn't always happen. You know, I yeah. think the Cowboys, what the Cowboys offensive line was like maybe the most dominant in football for a while. Like they're not anymore. You know, it, that, that stuff falls off the Packers. There's success that they've sustained in that position group for a while is, I don't know, man, that's, that's yeah. Special. I guess we could just never write a loss for words. We'll just say special throughout this whole yeah, podcast. Well, <laughs> and you and I, you and I texted a little bit when, uh, when the news dropped that the Bakhtiari went down and it's just, I mean, it's it's a little bit concerning, but compared to fans of other teams who maybe you have some good linemen and then someone goes down and it's just a big question mark, we get the benefit of of rooting for a team whose scouting department knows how to go out and find swing linemen in the yeah. draft, people who can play multiple positions and play them reasonably well if pressed into duty. And now more than ever, you don't, uh, given the depth that was on display throughout this whole season, even when the Packers offensive line was good in previous years with some of the guys we just mentioned, they always did feel like they were an injury away from it unraveling, you know, yeah. and from like, you know, cutting off the head of the snake of the offense by being able to get to Aaron Rodgers. And now, um, it just doesn't seem that way. You know, it's like you just plug guys in and, and just keep on chugging with one of the best offenses in football, which is yep. really inspires a lot of confidence. Um, it, don't get me wrong. I'm a little scared about a, the very realistic scenario of facing the bucks again in the second round of the playoffs. But, um, I, I am not as worried as I would have been had the bears generated any type of real pressure heading into the postseason that the Packers yep. can uh, 
keep Rodgers upright enough to do what they're the favorites and should do in this postseason, and that's just win two games and get get to the Super Bowl. Agreed. Keep on chugging. I like that that sentiment as we keep on chugging along here and move on to our listener note nugs. And speaking of chugging, our first note nug, again, tweet at us at the APC pod, comes in from Glenn, who simply says, victory whiskey. He was chugging some victory whiskey. I poured myself a, a, a bourbon. You had a scotch. Is that right? <laughs> I did. It was funny. I was uh, I had a couple of beers during the course of the game. One of our uh, friends, um, Nick, was uh, I was watching the game with him. And uh, he's taken up a little scotch habit and I was not in the mood to drink it at all, but I was peer pressured into it as a way to celebrate <laughs> home field advantage because, you know, that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers was going to do when he drove home. So we each had two fingers, I think it is, of scotch uh, neat after the game. And it was, uh, it was a nice way to just kind of ease into the night, get nice and sleepy and, you know, go to bed and wake up and relive the glory again in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> relive the glory Steve tweets in with his note nug it's just a thumbs up emoji and I feel like that's a very concise way to summarize how I felt uh, after the game <laughs> I mean yeah sometimes there's just like I, I mean we say this all the time when you don't have anything to complain about there's not a lot to say <laughs> you know it's just like ah, eh, alright cool they're great fun yeah <clears throat> As uh, as Mike McCarthy once said of Aaron Rodgers, I'm running out of superlatives. <laughs> yeah. Sam tweets in, Rodgers had more touchdowns than Scott had punts this season. I'm not doing any research, but that feels like a record. I don't actually know if that's a record, but that is something that we were loosely keeping track of on our post-game shows here, whether or not we could, uh, we could eclipse punts with touchdown. It got really tight there in the last few games, but I do believe... It was, uh, I think he had 48 touchdowns and maybe 46 punts. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. And we went one punt uh, in this game, I think. So it was a close race to the end. Yep. A photo finish. Chris tweets in uh, his note nug. I feel like a broken record, but Rodgers is the MVP, although I can see him sharing it with Henry. Adams deserves Offensive Player of the Year, and Lafleur deserves coach of the year. And we talked a little bit about coach of the year on our post game show, uh, with text because, um, I had pointed out uh, your text message to me about the dolphins getting blown out, possibly, um, kicking, uh, coach Flores out of the running there and, and Lafleur into position text mentions, uh, maybe the coach over in Buffalo, uh, is is worthy of that honor? Have you thought more about that? You think Lafleur is coach of the year? I still think he should be, and I, we were wrong about a lot of things. But I do remember, like a few games in the season, for some weird reason, just going really strong about planting my flag on him, basically barring some type of collapse, winning coach of the year. Um, and I still believe that. I, I agree with Tex. I think Sean McDermott is de- is definitely the guy who would win it over him. I don't think Brian Flores can be in that conversation anymore. Um, because of the way the Dolphins just, I mean, got blown out. And and also, like, can you win coach of the year when you probably lose a lot of your locker room by continuing to go back and forth in your quarterback situation and probably starting the wrong guy? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, I, that's, that's just wild to me. Like, yeah, um, that's an interesting one. That's like a man management thing, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to bench this guy mid-game and then um, start him again the next week and everyone's supposed to believe that I have the confidence in him. I'm not going to pull him again. I mean, I know Fitzpatrick wasn't around for week 17, 
a must-win scenario. And this is not a Dolphins podcast, but I'm just saying those are the types of things that are like, that's not coaching genius. That seems like mismanagement. Um, and their defense is just like good enough to overcome that for a big portion of the year in a shitty division aside from the Bills. But whatever. Uh, I think it's LaFleur, and I think if McDermott won, I couldn't really complain. But other than that, um, I really hope that he he wins it and we're playing the French bistro music here on the podcast <laughs> in a couple of weeks celebrating uh, some yeah. some accolades for the Packers. I can't find the French music. Where is it? Uh, I lost it. Uh, Tex brought up the counterpoint, though, that, that maybe – uh, Lafleur loses out because of the Rodgers factor. It's like, oh, of course you're going to be pretty good. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unfair though, right? Because uh, no one thought their roster was that good coming into the season. Yeah, like it's true. everyone thought year one was a fluke, and they were not favored to even make the playoffs really this year. Um, so. As weird as it is to say, after they win, you know, 13 games again, they still overachieved. But, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I mean, yep. and Adams put together a great season, but like we were still working with the guys that we were all pissed off and worried about coming into the season, you yep. know? Yep. So, and we will get to whatever. that. Uh, that we'll hit on that theme in, in a moment here. Uh, first of all, a salute to LaFleur. I did find, I did find the right button. Not totally incompetent, just mostly incompetent. (laughs) Uh, One more tweet coming in from not Ryan, his note, and I watching football stress-free next weekend. And I think that is a, a nice cap there. I did want to get to uh, one email that we had from our buddy, Ted and the APC Virginia Bureau emailing us that the APC podcast at gmail.com and Ted writes in, is it just me or is Mitch Trubisky now the Packers fifth best quarterback behind Jay Cutler? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He might pass him. I mean, the the Packers, the Packers missed a lot of opportunities in that game. Mitch was trying, man. He was trying so hard to throw to (laughs) the team in white and the Packers just wouldn't do it Mm. until the end. Like they wouldn't comply with it. I mean, that Kevin King one needs to be caught. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I loved and and the conversation surrounding Trubisky coming to this game. Like I understand that the Bears did some good things leading in, um, but then I like watched them play because I had to because they were playing like our team and uh, I was baffled. I mean, he threw like downfield what like twice. It's embarrassing. <laughs> like we're talking yeah. about this guy. Like he's like having this resurgent season and bringing the Bears franchise back to life. Like. He's throwing dump off passes. Whatever. whatever, whatever is in the water in Chicago that that makes uh, a certain percentage of Bears fans uh, skew extremely optimistic about Mitch Trubisky. I hope they keep drinking it. I hope that uh, he signs on for <laughs> another year or two. Buy the hype because I will take uh, Mitch Trubisky on the other side of the field any day of the week, please. Yeah, run up the score against terrible teams. Like, give them enough confidence to get another shot week after week. Please, by all means. I'm also reacting a little bit to just like the off-season assault that a lot of Packers fans take on Twitter uh, at the hands of uh, of Bears Twitter, who just like uh, uh, I w- I'll call it, I guess, uh, to be charitable, a vocal minority of of 
of trash talkers uh, who were very, very high on Trubisky and all kinds of gifts and memes of Trubisky dunking on Rogers. And it just couldn't have been further from the truth. But that actually seems like a smooth transition into uh, what we want to talk about next here, which is that now that the season is over the regular season, we can kind of look back, reflect and think about what were we wrong about at the beginning of the season? Uh, you know, and you, you and I had uh, talked a lot before the season about our predictions and, and what we expected. And I don't think nobody thought that the, this team was going to be as good as it is. And, and if if you did, I need I need the receipts to, to prove it, because I don't think anyone did. Um, but this was this was a, your topic idea. Does anything come to mind in terms of things that you that you were wrong about right off the bat? Yeah, well, um, Joe at work tweeted at uh, at us, and that kind of brought this on. And it was uh, as it relates to Aaron Rodgers, um, where he said he remembered listening at the beginning of the year, and we were discussing whether or not uh, we would see Aaron Rodgers throw for what was it over thirty? Maybe I think Tuck- it was thirty plus. Yep, thirty plus touchdowns again in his career, and we couldn't confidently say that. And boy, were we really wrong about that. And I'm glad yeah. to be wrong. Um, we're only and, off by 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to add another MVP uh, to his collection most likely. And that's, uh, yeah. So we were mega wrong about that. I think that, uh, we super overreacted to the personnel that they drafted in the draft, thinking they were going to be this crazy run heavy team, when at times throughout the course of the season, it felt like they were just choosing to give Aaron Rodgers touchdowns in the red zone because they could, yeah. and they just wanted to run up the score <laughs> on his stats. Um, so yeah, happy to be wrong about that. And um, I feel like I was in a dark place when I was talking about the remaining years of Aaron Rodgers then. And now I'm just like that. I just feel so grateful, man. <laughs> like I really do. Like, just to even even if this if this is the best season he'll have for the rest of his time playing football, which is very likely because it's an incredible season, um, it was so memorable and so fun, man. Like that was like I didn't think we'd get another one of those. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm very very glad that we all got to experience that together. Uh, yeah, <laughs> anything to add on that? I think of it. I I don't remember. I agree with your categorization that we couldn't confidently say yes. I feel like I was a soft maybe. I don't think I definitely said no, he'll never eclipse uh, 30. I might have even said he might get there uh, one more time. But again, without the receipts, I mean, I would be lying if I said that I thought anything close to what we saw this year was possible. Just special, man. Just a special season. Yeah, completely. And on that note, I mean, another thing I think that I I was certainly wrong about was just like the tone that the season would take overall. And I did hedge um, and say that if the Packers are really good, I think it will obviously feel real to us. But, you know, I I mean, I don't know if it was just like where we were in the pandemic, but I feel like you and I, particularly me, were pretty doom and gloom about the idea that the NFL was just going to kind of like plow ahead, you know, with 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 playing uh, and traveling and not doing a bubble scenario um, throughout the course of the year. And there were a lot of bumps um, for sure. And there are a lot now with the resurgence after the holidays. Um, poor Browns <laughs> getting <laughs> oh, trampled God. by COVID right before their first playoff game and whatever it was 
like 12, 14 years or whatever. Years. 18 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think that at a time where like we were waiting to be captivated by something, but we're really cautiously optimistic about the season feeling good. Um, it, it was a really memorable one, you know, and this team, this was like the COVID Packers team that just kind of like stole our hearts and gave us something to look forward to every week. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get like super like weird about it, but like that, um, it's great. Cause if they came out and went eight and eight, like 2020, like as shitty as it was for a million different reasons. Uh, and as silly as it is to say about a game, like you said, a child's game that we talk about and care about would have felt even worse, you know, yep. like it, uh, but instead it was like, well, at least we got to watch really entertaining football every week. Um, watch like one of our all-time favorite players just put together a ridiculous campaign. So uh, it felt very real. I'm sure for Jets fans it didn't, but um, I feel really fortunate to <laughs> be able to kind of look back on this season uh, with you know some warm thoughts because yeah. that's not the way a lot of people are looking back on this year as a whole. Yeah. And I encourage people to uh, go back and listen to Rogers post game presser following the the bears game. Cause he shared a lot of those sentiments and just talking about and reflecting on what a special season it was and, and, and a very unusual season and just something that, that he'll never forget. And, uh, and thankfully, hopefully for most of us fans, something that we'll never forget either, you know, being able in the middle of all of this and in doom and gloom and, and and what have you just being able to just sit down on Sunday and watch a ball game and and have it be competitive and fun and just for uh, you know it's 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 kind of what it's for you know it's recreation you forget about stuff for a while and and yeah I mean I I remember talking um at the beginning of the year about the idea of the COVID season I think I gave it three weeks yeah <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I had very little confidence they could pull this off yeah. and they might've pulled it off by ignoring a lot of things they shouldn't have. Um, one of my text, uh, group chains with uh, a couple of friends, uh, would every, would always screenshot the Adam Schefter tweet that all games are a go like throughout the season, just kind of joking <laughs> like about it. Like, of course they are. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, I had little confidence. Yeah. I, I think I was probably right there with you saying like, we'll probably have to come to like a mid season stop at some point or early season stop, um, and quarantine for weeks and et cetera. So, yeah. And the, the one wrinkle I will say on the overall schedule where I thought maybe that should have happened is that the Packers played the 49ers. And it was really yeah. a sad, a sad affair where almost none of their offensive skill position players were available uh, for that game. Uh, certainly, I, be- I I still believe that was a little bit unfair. But I mean, you got a roster full of guys who qualified for an NFL team, and you go out there and you try to win a game. But that aside, I feel like I don't know. It's just a, it's just a treat all year. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, one other one other thing that I, I think that we were wrong about, or at least that I was wrong about, I was I was worried, uh, you know, the Packers let Bulaga walk and they bring in Rick Wagner, who's a, a retread from the Lions, who wasn't garnering a ton of big ticket attention on the free agent market. And they bring back uh, Billy Turner. Well, he was under contract, but a guy who they brought in free agency last year and was was fine. 
And um, yeah, I was just worried that it was going to be a step in the wrong direction for the offensive line. And and as we touched on earlier in our, our note nugs, I mean, just huge, huge props to everyone on the line, basically all year, just tremendous job. Yeah. Even if you were optimistic coming into the year, I still don't think you could have envisioned as good of a year as they had collectively. Yeah. Um, I want to, ch- <laughs> I want to change topics just a little bit. We've been keeping it very, very optimistic. Um, we've, we've, uh, we've, we've joked and we've hemmed and hawed a little bit all, all year back and forth about, uh, Mike Patton and his defense and his inability to stop the run and just the frustration you feel as a Packers fan watching, you know, third and long get converted, et cetera. Um, and really feeling at certain points during the season, like no matter the outcome of the season, this is Mike Patton's last year. He's definitely gone. Uh, but Alex, would you believe me if I told you that the Packers defense hasn't allowed a 100 yard rusher in five consecutive games? I, I would be very surprised by that. I am surprised by that. Um, Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I think the Titans game, I think, went exactly the way they needed it to to not even have to worry about. Um, but I I would still not have thought, even with that fresh in the mind, that that many games were strung together with them being uh, competent enough in stopping the run. It's interesting. I, I And I think that Matt LaFleur alluded to this in, in a press conference, basically saying at some point, he had a meeting with Mike Patton where he told him, dude, you got to stop the run. Like, an, <laughs> um, not that that was his, uh, his tone or exactly what he said, but that's what I, I took it to mean that he said, we've got to, we've got to tweak our philosophy. You know, our offense is predicated on the run setting up the pass, like, which is proof that other teams also are doing this. We've got to be able to stop the run. And I think that they've, they've, they've tweaked their strategy a little bit on the defense in the last month or so. And it's, it's worked. Yeah. I, yeah. That's hilarious that that conversation is like, <laughs> uh, just needs to happen. Uh, it yeah. seems kind of obvious, but, um, I mean, yeah, Pet was seriously cramping their style because also the recipe to, to beat this particular Packers team given how unstoppable their offense was most of the year is just the fucking cliched, like, Oh, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field thing. Yep. So like even teams that could beat us up through the air, don't feel as threatening as like the not so great teams that can just run at you. So yeah, like there's a way to stop that. Like, I don't care. Like take a chance with your defensive backs, load it up with bodies and just make sure that if we get beat, we get beat quickly on defense so we can get back out there and, and, and score. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's the road to the zero man is continuing to have 30, 40 point scoring games. One complaint that I do still have with Mike Pettin, and I think it was on particular display in this bears game is uh, when it's, th- when it's third down Ugh. and you give up almost enough yardage for the first down and in the in 1995, that was enough to make the other team punt every time. But it is the year, the the year 2021 now, and teams are going to go for it on fourth down. So when it's 
third and seven, and you're content to just give up six yards. If every fourth down, if the Bears <laughs> is it's fourth and one in Packers territory six times, then they're probably going to go for it those six times, especially if they're trailing. And they did. And it was just frustrating to watch um, third downs lead to fourth down conversions, basically. And ultimately, I mean, the the Packers did what they needed to do. And and, and I mean, they really just out, outscored them. But I don't know. It's just you felt like you were setting the defense up for if you're putting them in a really tough spot saying, okay, now it's do or die. You have to stop this one yard play like six times in the game. Yeah, I know. And, and on that, not to go so hard at Patton, cause this is obviously a theme that's existed all year. It's probably been beaten to a pulp everywhere, but like I still, for the life of me in particular in this game against Mitchell Trubisky cannot understand how defensive backs line up so far off the line of scrimmage on yeah. third or fourth and short when yeah. if anybody did that to the Packers, Aaron Rodgers would take the snap and within like a millisecond, just throw it very quickly out and ask his receiver to just fall forward. Like just get it. Yep. It's not you're it's Trubisky. That's what's pissing me off. It's and like your a, whole goal should be to get him to throw downfield and you have good good defensive backs. What are you yeah. running for? Like what are you scared of? Yeah, what are you doing? And uh that is actually another thing that that I believe Matt LaFleur said in in a post-game press conference, um, something about basically having a come to Jesus with Petten and and letting him know, hey, on third down, you got to play in front of the sticks, man. You, what are yeah. you doing? I mean, literally, like, my, uh, I, like any coach would say, like, you know, like sometimes your players get beat, right? But getting beat on alignment is something that any coach should, like, refuse to do. And when you're, when that's, like, what you come out with on short yardage situations, you're literally getting beat by the way you line up. <laughs> like... And that to me is just like, that's unacceptable at this level, but whatever. Yeah. I'm just surrendering it. All right. Well, that's a little, a little mini bitch session. It wouldn't be a Packers podcast if there wasn't some, some complaining, but I think that we, we hit on enough of the special things. Oh, one more, one more special thing. I, I have um, a little bit of breaking news. Ooh. And, um, yeah. I don't think uh, if you don't have your phone handy, you probably haven't seen this yet, but uh, Leroy Butler and Charles Woodson have been selected as finalists for the Hall of Fame class of 2021. There we go. There we go. I mean, it's been a long time coming for Leroy Butler, I know, but uh, for Woodson, it's that's a lock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be real. Um, oh, I miss gosh. that guy. Still one of the best. Um, yeah. I saw he uh, he resurfaced this week with a tweet about uh, Devontae Adams, right? Because... Didn't Rogers say something about maybe Woodson being the best player he's ever played with, but he doesn't know if that's the case anymore because of Devontae, something like that. <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, and he tweeted, uh, I think he like quote tweeted something and and said, looks like I might have to get back out there or something like that. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Like we, we didn't even, um, we had a whole podcast talking about special and, and didn't even talk about Devontae Adams having one of the best seasons a Packers receiver has ever put together oh my while God. missing two and a half missing. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> even a full season. Uh, to, and we talked about this on the, on the post game show, but, uh, but tying Sterling sharps, uh, franchise record for single season touchdowns with 18, um, just a monster year. Definitely would have broken that record. Uh, if he had played, uh, played all 16, um, I don't know. What more can you say, man? Special guy, special year, still young, and still yeah. young. If I, if I can uh, channel my inner Ben Foldy. 
Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that's such a bad thing, the age of players when they're drafted, which is so true. And it, you could see why now, because like it feels like he should be winding down and he's not. But um, one thing, though, just to kind of like put the opponent's hat on, how we talked about so many times with the Packers, the obvious guy. I mean, how do you think other fan bases feel when Devontae Adams catches two or three touchdowns? When you look around the rest of the field and it's like Lazard, MVS, who is like super inconsistent. I mean, the fact that he can do that without guys like Jordy around him or James Jones or Greg Jenny, whatever. It's incredible. And do it with like this cast of characters is like more of a testament to his greatness. And really makes me think he is the best receiver that Rodgers has ever played with and the best one we'll see on the Packers for like a really long time. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to come around to that idea as well. And and the Bears are the latest example of a team that just decided that they were going they they were going to take Devontae out of the game. They were going to devote as many players, do whatever it took schematically to get Devontae out of the picture and eventually the Rodgers just just decided, you know what, we're, we're just going to force feed Devonte, And they just couldn't stop him. They, they moved him inside. They got him the ball. And yeah, I mean, it's just, if you're an opposing fan, what do you do? You just pulling your hair out, man. It's yeah. frustrating to watch. I'm sure. It's maddening. I'd be like line two guys up over him. Um, and, and just like take your chances with everybody else. But I guess that's also the, the balance that they so often talk about in football and the, the importance of the run game for this Packer team. I think, comes into play there a little bit too. I guess we can't just harp on the, uh, the lack of other great receivers on this team. Yeah. I mean, well, you mentioned the, the run game and and we're talking about special seasons. I mean, Aaron Jones, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. And when you got big fucking Bob to worry about, it's like Gronkowski in there. It's like, you know, what do you, how are you supposed to scheme for both of those guys? All right. We get a drop. Big f***ing Bob. Got to give the people what they want. Yeah, had to play it. <laughs> All right, man. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm out of topics. I'm, I'm ready for a bye week. What do you think? Oh, man. I am so ready for this weekend. Like, dude, three time slots for two straight days. Whatever you might be missing by not having red zone, like, because that's over with, you're, you're still mainlining football for nine straight hours for two straight <laughs> days. To my veins. <laughs> like, I mean, that extra playoff team is such a gift for that reason. The first week of the playoffs is literally insane. For most of my, if not all of my waking hours, I will be watching playoff football for two straight days. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is going to be glorious. All right, guys, that is going to do it as I search the board for the polka and talk very slowly until I find <laughs> it. There it is. I found it. Yay. Oh, good Lord. All right. Already, I'm up. my brain is already in the bye week. Follow us on Twitter at the APC pod. Again, we've got a link tree link there now so you can follow the show. Um, The cycle for survival link is there. Please donate if you can and feel so inclined. Our Patreon link is also there. Uh, I see you new patrons. Thank you so much. Dave, Matt, Glenn are the latest to to join the team. Really appreciate your help. Awesome, Um, guys. Thank you. Cycle for survival first, Patreon only if you can swing it and you really, really want to support us. And again, we super appreciate those uh, of you who have done that. Uh, that's going to do it for Alex Patakis. I am Zach Rapport, and we are 
kicking it into the bye week, baby. I would say go pack go, but don't go anywhere. Stay home. Don't get COVID. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll know who the Packers play. All right. Later. See you later. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.